0: We are um, we're continuing on today in our study in Matthew. So turn to Matthew five, if you would. And uh, I'm excited about the um, I'm excited about the sermon today. I'm excited about the entire service today. And as we move forward, let's pray over that that God will work mightily because you are in for a tree. And part of my thinking here is that I want to make sure that I'm not so focused on what I know is coming versus what I know I don't know is coming. I don't know how the Spirit's going to work in your heart. I don't know how the Spirit's going to illuminate the things you're going to hear. But I promise you, without knowing any of that, you will leave today different than when you arrive, if you're open, if you're open to it. So let me pray, and uh, we'll get into it this morning. Father, uh, you are good beyond all measure. You define what goodness is. You have orchestrated the beauty of this day. What a phenomenal day. What a blessing to be outside together. Thank you for the faithful that have gathered in your name today. I pray that it is a a sweet aroma to you. A sweet aroma of worship. Thank you for each person that has come here today to minister to you. Thank you, Father, for the blessedness of all that you have preordained in our worship today open the hearts and minds even now thank you father amen well this morning i have a confession you can turn to matthew 5 verse 27 it's where we'll be in just a moment but uh how many of you really pay attention to those warnings in life right have you ever let's play have you ever have you ever had that railroad crossing guard come down, and you didn't see a train, so you just decided to test fate and go over the? You know, I can, I won't betray it, but I can see it in your faces. Those people that have. Have you ever crossed the street where there is no sidewalk? I'm sorry, uh, crosswalk. Yeah. Have you ever? Uh, not worn a seatbelt. Have you ever um, plugged too many things into that solitary outlet? <laughs> I have a little weird thing that I like to test fate with. I'm coming to you with a confession of heart right now. I'm going to hold up for you. This. Does anybody know what this is? It's a tag off of sofa. It's a mattress tag. I'm sorry. I, c- I couldn't help myself. But wait, there's more. There's this one too, and there's no writing even on this one. So that was like really daring to cut this one off, but I couldn't stop it too. I, I even cut a sticker off the mattress. That's three times, is it, is it a misdemeanor or a felony? I'm not sure which one it is. It's a felony. It's a, somebody said it's a felony. Oh, you're, you're a maverick pastor. It's felonious. I'm, it's, it's felonious. <laughs> I'm just going to hold on to these because I just so enjoy disregarding warning signs, uh, and which is evident by your participation that you do too. Today, the text is a giant warning. And I'm not going to have a whole lot of funny stories or anecdotes or uh, little quips because the text just really doesn't speak to that. Jesus wasn't speaking to that. Our disadvantage is that we're in the middle of a a discourse that Christ gave. This is called Sermon on the Mount. And he never stopped. He just kept flowing and kept flowing. And so I'm going to read the passage today. And you can join me, 27 through 30. And the minute I read it, you'll realize why I don't have a whole lot of humor mixed in today. That's okay, because the main illustration that we have follows the sermon and you are going to be moved my prayer is that you're moved beforehand because of the word of god that's what needs to move us amen preach it wowzers! remember we can say, there's a lot of things we can say you know and so let me get into the word this morning listen carefully you have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery now let's stop for a second It's kind of funny because Jesus is using hometown talk. He's already talked about murder and anger. He's already laid out the beatitudes. He's already talked and and encouraged to the effort of, if we have something against a brother, we need to leave it on the altar and go make that right. That's how important the heart is. And yet Jesus starts this next little part with, You've heard that it was said. Who's he speaking to? He's speaking to all the disciples that had gathered on that mountainside in the Galilee region. All the town folk, all the religious leaders, all the Pharisees. And so he just kind of throws this. This would be the equivalent of, oh, and by the way, y'all. Okay. It would be like Jesus saying something like that because he knows who he's speaking to and what is he speaking about? Have you ever been told by somebody that you're training, they tried to tell you how to do it? Don't you love those moments? Don't you love it when your grandchildren tell you how to fix something? Don't you love it when the person that you're discipling is telling you how it should be done correctly. Don't you love those moments? See, Jesus uses the spiritual gift of sarcasm. And he's saying, oh, by the way, we're using this little technique where I'm going to remind you of the law because you're so wrapped up in the law that you've lost track of the heart of God. And so he He uses a little sarcasm here. By the way, he's hitting the big ones, right? We're not hearing about keep the Sabbath necessarily. We're not hearing about um, uh, no idols. We're not hearing about thou shalt not use the Lord's name in vain. He starts with murder, and then he goes right to what? Adultery. Two things that hopefully our, our culture, our society, still see as pejoratives. Hopefully. And so... When Jesus finishes with murder and he's got, he's gotten, done giving them a, a hit to the, to the kidneys, to the solar flex. He says, I'm not done with you yet. <laughs> Get ready. So you're trying to catch your breath from the last thing I said, by the way, I've got more. You heard, you heard somewhere this little law that you shouldn't commit adultery, right? Isn't it hilarious how Jesus chooses to verbalize this? You've heard about this little thing about adultery. You shouldn't do it. And even at that time, those in the crowds would have said, well, yeah, of course. Of course we know that adultery is wrong. Get ready. Jesus says this then, verse 28, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Let me fix something because it's not in my notes. This swings both ways, folks. So all you gals out here who think you can look at a man with, with lust in your eyes and not be accountable to, to the Lord, it's, it's implied. Let me, just, let me just make sure that we don't get hung up on personal pronouns. He says, but I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now you all squirming. I can see it. You're like, oh, not this passage. No, 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 no. Let's see. What am I going to do later this afternoon? Maybe I can do some long, long division in my head for the next half hour. Maybe I can, you know, sing songs in my head. Just completely tune out. Can I encourage you? Don't. What Jesus is offering you right now is not a frivolous warning. And I'm going to prove the point in a second. This is called the setup. You ready? This is not a frivolous warning. Jesus says this. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into what? Hell. We have a society that wants to discount, eradicate, forget about, disqualify the doctrine of hell. We want to ignore it. We want to placate it. We want to pretend it's, it's uh, metaphorical. Brothers and sisters, Jesus has already mentioned hell 30 seconds ago, and he comes right back to it. This is no idle warning. If Jesus is going to speak about hell, we need to pay attention. Amen? Amen. So he's saying what? He says, for it's better that you lose one of your members. I'm sorry, let me go back. And if you, verse 30, and if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that you lose your whole body to what? To hell. Hey, If we can mute these microphones. Is that my microphone? I don't know if it's mine. Maybe it is. So, number one, we do have sermon notes. So if you have them, um, you can start filling in the blanks here. So first of all, I want to remind you, Jesus speaks to the heart. He speaks to the heart. Mark seven twenty-one. Turn there with me. See, Jesus is talking about much more than the commands. And individuals love to say, hey, I'm keeping the law, I'm, I'm faithful, um, and yet Jesus says there's so much here that you're not paying attention to that matters to my Father in heaven. And so Mark 7:21 gives us a little bit more insight to this. I'll back it up to verse 20. It says, and he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Jesus' words. It's the feel-good message of 2020. Have I got your attention yet? He's addressing the issue of commandments versus holiness. And we talked about this two weeks ago that that he came to what? Complete and transcend the law. It's not that the moral law is over and done with. Jesus is verifying. He says, don't murder. He's saying, don't commit adultery. But he's saying, you're missing the point. If you want to walk around acting righteous... Like you've got it all together and you're pleasing your Father in Heaven, but in your heart? In your heart, you're lusting after those around you. He says there's a deeper sense of this and it has to do with your holiness, not the commandments. It has to do with following the character of God, not the commandments. He's speaking with hyperbole, right? He's getting to the truth of the matter. Turn with me to 2 Peter 2.14. He's getting to the truth of the matter because how many of us, when we hear someone speak to the fact that they think they've got it all figured out, we've got a lot of those experts these days, right? They think they've got it all figured out, but they're missing maybe two, three crucial components of the truth. Do you ever want to fix those people? Do you ever want to fix... Their their lack of understanding, that's what Jesus is doing. But he's using exaggeration, he's using hyperbole to prove his point. Because some of us may be sitting here today saying, really, Jesus wants me to cut my eye out? Jesus wants me to cut my hand off? Let me share with you, and let's get to it, what he's trying to do. Second Peter 2, uh, 14. It says this, They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed, accursed children. Forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. Peter, decades after Jesus preached this, speaks to the same issue, the same challenging issue that we can walk around and say, hey, you know, I'm free from this scrutiny. I haven't committed adultery. And yet there's so much that in our hearts we're doing. Because Jesus says, it has to do with lust. It has to do with lust. And if we're not careful, there's a huge eternal warning of hell. You want to cut the chance of adultery? Cut ties with lust. And here it comes. I'm going to, y'all thinking pastor's being a shock jock here, but I think that there's something to the fact that we have these statements, right? Have you ever wondered where we got the statement, cut it out? Right? And have you ever wondered why some people will just blurt out, oh, the hell with it. I think some of it, is connected to exactly what Jesus says here. certainly makes sense. And so I'm going to borrow from Jesus' words and just say when it comes to the issue of lust, if we could just remember to say in our hearts, in our minds, to hell with it. We might be a whole lot better spiritually. And by the way, I'm not cussing there. Hopefully you're not freaking out the pastor's cussing. I am being as literal as Jesus is. So when I'm tempted in my heart, I need to have that approach and say, there is a huge warning that Christ gave me here. And I need to take it as seriously as he does. This is no mattress tag warning. And I need to cut it out. And I need to say, to hell with it. Amen? Because if we don't, It grabs us, and it controls us. I'll get to that in a second. Well, in about two hours. I hear your laughter. Mutter, mutter, mutter. Adultery destroys. It wounds. It scars. I have a long list of people that I know that have suffered the ramifications of adultery. There are people in this church Gasp that have had to deal with the scars, the wounds, and the destruction of adultery. It's a very serious and egregious sin. The Lord takes it seriously, which shows you the character of God, does it not? It shows you that He cares about relationship, He cares about purity, He cares about holiness, He cares about commitments. It's antithetical to self-pleasure. It's antithetical to selfishness. And so Jesus gives a warning. And he says, cut it out. What exactly is adultery? Well, I'm going to give you, there's a lot of different ways you can define it. Let me just help you. Sexual relations with any woman or man outside of your marriage or who is bound to someone in marriage according to God. And we'll get into deeper definition of this because Jesus isn't done with where we stop today. Okay, we're going to be moving deeper into that subject. So I'll I'll give you more clarity as we get into it. So if adultery destroys, it wounds, it scars. he's not getting any argument from the audience. They all understand how egregious this is. But he's saying you want to pretend like you're free from that kind of betrayal. You want to pretend like You're innocent from those things. He says, my father knows your heart. And every time you lust upon another person, you're committing adultery in your heart. You're committing adultery in your heart. So, just about 30 seconds ago, I shared with you that there are individuals here at this church that have suffered from this egregious sin. I have mentors of mine that have fallen to adultery. We hear week after week after week, year after year after year about those in the pastorate or elders or spiritual leaders who fall to this issue. It's serious and it destroys. It's not a mattress tag warning. So let me take you to John 8 because what is the answer if We have walked down that path or we know someone who's walked down that path. How do we view them? How should we view them? We should view them as Jesus views them, right? In John 8, we have the story of the Pharisees wanting to entrap Christ. And so what do they do? They go and they grab a woman that's in the middle of committing adultery. And some speculate, some scholars speculate, that Pharisees who grabbed this woman knew who she was, where she was, what she was doing, because someone in their uh, their group was committing it with her. We don't have verification of that, but there's some speculation on that level. And they bring her out naked into the streets, throw her in front of Christ, and say, okay, fine, you wanted to preach about adultery. What say you now? And do you remember what Jesus said? He said, you who have no sin cast the first stone. It's not about going and condemning a person over and over throughout their entire life for their previous sins. If it were, who could stand? Amen? I couldn't stand. I would not be able to stand in front of you. But Jesus also goes on to speak directly to the woman and says, go and sin no more. I condemn you not I'm not ready to condemn you to death in this moment for this sin he's not approving of adultery do you see this he's not approving of adultery but he's saying go no longer participate in this because it's ruining you not a mattress tag warning but a legitimate warning and instruction and care and compassion this is how we should approach this issue if we know someone or this has touched our own lives but for many of us maybe that's not the case regardless what happens is every person I know the best way I can explain this every person I know as a believer who has had to deal in this area yes there is forgiveness through Christ amen Absolutely, there's forgiveness. But brothers and sisters, there's a result to sin. That's why we have a serious warning. And sin, there is forgiveness, and sin is vanquished at the cross. It's put to death. We don't have to live in accordance to it. We don't have to see ourselves in accordance to that. Because of the forgiveness and the payment paid on the cross to cover that sin and satisfy it between us and God. But I will tell you, regardless of that, we are left with scars or we are left with stains. This shirt has a stain on it. I contemplate not wearing it. I even asked my wife to iron it so it would look better today, <laughs> right? And for you who are like, really? You're gonna ask your wife to, I. you can ask my wife. I iron my clothes often myself, but I was packing our car. We're leaving for vacation right after service. So I was packing the car. At the last second I thought of this illustration, I'm like, I really need this shirt to look as good as it can. But there is a stain on it, and I know where it is, and it bothers me. 98% of the shirt is nails. But what am I focusing on? The 2%, there's a stain that's left. You know when we're in heaven, we no longer will have those stains or those scars. We'll never be able to, we won't remember them. But we remember those now because of the world we live in. We don't live under them. Be very, very clear. We do not live under them. But we cannot escape the stains or the scars sometimes, depending on how egregious the sin is. That's why this warning about lust is so important. let me prove my point here. As we continue on, I think of some of these individuals that were very, very powerful and pertinent in my life. Their lives are changed because they did not regard the warning Jesus gave. Their lives are changed. Their families' lives are changed. The massive amount of destruction is heartbreaking because they refused to heed a warning. Adultery destroys it, wounds and scars. But I don't know anybody that walked into a room saying I'm here to commit adultery. Anybody? Anybody with me? Anybody want to line up? Commit adultery? Let's go. I don't see it as a, as a checkmark box on our uh, welcome visitor card. Probably a good thing. Nobody walks into the day saying I want to commit adultery today. But we do walk into the day saying, I'm not going to focus on what Christ wants me to focus on. I'm not going to renew my mind. I'm not going to guard over my soul. And I will allow myself these little, these little secret pleasures of looking at this or looking at that or desiring this or desiring that. Because nobody has to know, and I'm not really committing the big thing, right? Jesus addresses that because he knows our hearts. Let me address the lust. He talks about lust. He talks about how lust is really what's behind adultery. There's a great saying that, uh, since I'm stuck on colloquialisms today, right? You know, cut it out, to hell with it. Here's another one. My wife told me about this. She says this, when you get hit by a train, it's not the caboose that kills you. You see, we don't just step into a day just saying, I'm going to throw it all away, throw my fist into those that I love, and just go commit adultery. It's a slow, steady progression. We lose that battle with lust. And that's the warning Jesus gives us. He's saying, I don't want you to get blindsided down here. I want you to guard your hearts. I want you to be aware of what's really attacking at you that makes you weaker and weaker and weaker to the point that you will do something you never thought you would do. It means to set your mind on something, to covet, to desire, to ponder. Jesus says what? He says, cut it out. He says, cut it out. Turn to James 1. Let's get some clarity on how lust works, how sin works. Anybody frying out there yet? with the wind up here I apologize as a pastor I should have been there about 10 seconds ago right so James 1 12 through 15 says this blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him let no one say when he is tempted I'm being tempted by God for God cannot be tempted with evil And he himself tempts no one. But each person... Now watch this. Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. All right? This is the beginning of it. This is the definition of lust. By the way, lust isn't just connected to our eyes drifting to someone that we desire. Lust has to do with anything we desire that doesn't have balance we can desire righteousness that's good right but things that are outside of God's holiness and when it's disproportionate to our desire for the Lord and it begins to control our thinking it begins to control our actions that's when desire that's when this enticement starts taking over and then what happens each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then, desire, when it has conceived, when it sits there for a while, right? When it sits there, when we don't clean it out, when we don't heed the right warnings, when we allow it a place in our life, we entertain it. Then, desire, sin, has the ability to germinate and to cultivate and to grow in some, into something that is larger than what we can handle. And it says this: Then desire, when it has con- when it conceives, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Another huge warning. So let's give some practicals here. There are things in our life that we give ourselves permissions to, that have everything to do with lust. Those are things that you need to check your heart and look into your heart and heed this warning on a very serious very serious level, and you need to take his hyperbolic extension of explanation seriously. Jesus is not telling you to cut your eye out. I mean, it sounds like it, right? He's using exaggeration to show how important it is. And in a moment, I'm going to demonstrate what that looks like. So you're either influenced, I'm either influenced by heaven, earth, or hell. One of the three. On any given day. The old self, the human nature, is self-serving, it's impulsive, it's pleasure-seeking. The new self, the one that is in Christ, is honorable and devoted to things of righteousness. Amen? Let's, uh, let's take a view of to hell with the old self. All right? Colossians 3. Turn with me. And then we're going to wrap up. <clears throat> I wanted to read this last week, but I ran out of time. And it's amazing how it translates from week to week. It's a pro- prolific passage, and I would encourage you to mark it down when it comes to the idea of living in righteousness, living in holiness, living in, in um, honor To Jesus and so he addresses this issue of the old self the part that desires self-pleasure the part that that has a wandering eye the part that is not concerned with righteousness at all and he talks about that old self before Jesus but when we follow Jesus and let me clarify this real quickly following Jesus there's two components at work here you're gonna hear hear this in a testimony in just a minute How many of you need Jesus? How many of you want Jesus? So, both are important statements, are they not? We need Christ because Christ is the one that paid the penalty. Christ is the one that has vanquished sin. Christ is the one that that has given us freedom. Christ is the one that has redeemed us. That our souls might be eternally saved and we would benefit from relationship with god that's why we need jesus but there's a big difference between needing and wanting and the challenge for you and i today in context of this message about lust and the damages and the warnings that hell is a very real place jesus wants you He desperately wants you, and he paid a severe price to purchase your soul. But the question is, do you want Jesus? Again, you'll hear a testimony about that in a minute, and the difference of that will be much clearer than I could ever explain. But let me give you scripture that helps define this idea of the old self the new self. What are you influenced by, heaven, earth, or hell? Verses 5-17 through of Colossians, "...put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two you once walked, when you were living in them, but now you must put them away... You must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its what? Its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all put on then or look like or become as God's chosen ones holy and beloved compassionate hearts kindness humility meekness and patience bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you so you also must forgive and above all these put on love which Bind everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you are called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. But we still want to give ourselves permission to lust. Because after all, this is the world we live in. Well, Pastor, what if I were to take this seriously? What if I were to truly take seriously these warnings that Christ gives us? What would it look like? Let me help you. If lust is the seed of adultery, what are you growing? you're growing disaster right you're growing disaster so what can we do clear the field clear the field Gary's on it Gary's on it Pam if that thing starts going you're safe first of all you're safe because you know Jesus so if that thing impales you you're going to heaven I just want to give you all want everybody be okay all right but it's not because Gary's on it that's what that's what it means to sit Next to security. But it's even better to sit next to the security of Jesus. Amen? See what I did there? Okay, let's get back to it. Clear the field. If lust is the seed of adultery, what are you growing? You're growing disaster. So we need to change. We need to be serious about that change. you got to clear the field and stop messing around. You have to stop giving yourself permission. that Oh, this is only just a little thing. This is only just a small problem. This is only just a a one-time thing. I can't tell you how many people I know have come to me with destroyed lives and they said, look, all I heard about was grace, 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 and so I wanted, I wanted, I wanted, and my life hurt so bad I didn't know any other way but to satisfy the hole that was in my life. And because of that one choice, my life has changed forever. I wish I could get it back. I can't. We're not talking about a long pattern, folks. We're talking about guarding your heart. I have a friend that does a demonstration where he cooks brownies. And he brings them, and that is... uh, at his sermon, he offers the brownies to someone a whole platter of brownies he 's got a you know he 's got a ton of people raising their hands, yeah, what the brownies and so they come up and he lets them actually get their hands on the Pyrex dish and they got a whole Pyrex dish of brownies and he says oh there 's just one thing. Uh, I went out into the yard and I picked up a turd from my dog Rodney, <laughs> and I just took like a quarter inch of that and I ground it up and I put it into the mix but it's just such a small piece go ahead, you're free to take those brownies he still to this day has one person to take the brownies, not even a junior high guy that's trying to impress everybody in the room would take those brownies, but we give ourselves permission over and over to play around with lust and we wonder why our lives suddenly are in trouble, or we don't feel close to the Lord. Clear the field. Cut ties with those things that lead you into that. Folks, porn is rampant. And it's not just guys. It's risen to 40 to 45% of women are now Because our relationships are so bad, lacking in intimacy that God has designed, that we believe that is going to satisfy. You know what? Even the porn industry knows it never satisfies. The truth of Scripture is apparent in front of us. We need to get off social media, some of us. We need to get off the internet. Some of you may be in marriages that You've been disillusioned for years. And some of you are on the internet getting satisfied through emotional connections on internet sites. You're playing. And you will get burned. This is no mattress tag warning. Jesus was serious. Cut it out and say to hell with it. It's the one time your pastor's going to tell you, you can say that. the one anecdote I have for you today is I have close personal friends that have done something that I've always said I would do if I was in that position they've had a family crisis where somebody gave themselves the allowance to make a choice one time with lust family had done everything right this person is a believer They know what is good, they know what is right. But I read their testimony about the destruction in their life now. And the entire family's life is thrown into a whirlwind of change. The family has decided to so support this individual. They are clearing the field. That they have sold their house. They are moving four states away in order that they might give every chance for this person to thrive. That's what it means to cut it out. That's what Jesus was talking about. The ability and the fortitude to make radical choices in order that sin does not win in our lives. Amen? Let me close with saying this. Warning tags are to be taken seriously when Jesus gives them. By the way, for those of you that haven't heard a word that's been said for the past, you know, 30 minutes because you're like, our pastor broke the law and took those tags. First of all, I didn't. I asked my wife to go do it last night. <laughs> Second of all, it says. The consumer is allowed to take those tags off. Oh, I'm getting some amens now. I'm getting some glory now. Let's stop treating our souls like a mattress tag. Amen? Cut out the lust. Because it leads to destruction. My final question to you this morning is, are you ready for revival? Are you ready to wake up? Are you ready to want Jesus? Are you ready for Jesus to say, well done, good and faithful servant? Amen. Amen. Amen.